Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part two of his teaching, The Prosperity of God. So we've been talking about the prosperity of God. This is part two. And by way of introduction, the more you get into the word and study this topic, the more you realize that the prosperity of God, the prosperity of God toward men is tied to the generosity of the individual. And generosity is a condition of the heart. Proverbs 11.25 in the New King James Version says it like this. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Amen. So the King James says the liberal soul will be made fat. So we should all desire to be fat only in the biblical sense. Amen. Anyway, water is a life-giving substance, and so a generous person gives life-giving substance to others and receives life-giving substance in return. Amen? And it all begins with a generous heart. Proverbs 22, 19 says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. That says to me that a generous person is always on the lookout for who he can bless. Amen? All right, Isaiah says it like this, Isaiah 32, 8, New King James Version, but a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand, amen. So a generous man is constantly thinking of ways that he can bless others, and it brings stability to his life. I want to illustrate this whole concept of a generous heart to the story of Cain and Abel, which we find in the book of Genesis, chapter 4. Amen? It's a story we've all heard, but maybe we're going to come at it from an angle that you haven't considered before. Genesis, chapter 4, verse 1 through 8 in the New King James Version. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Amen. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Very, very tragic story, very familiar story. Now, I want to get to the heart of the matter concerning a generous heart. It's commonly taught that the reason God received Abel's offering but rejected Cain's was because Abel offered a blood sacrifice and Cain did not. Amen? How many have heard that teaching before? And don't misunderstand me. It's clear from the very beginning that God had given to mankind a revelation of the blood sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, 
There is no remission of sins. Amen. Hebrews 9.22 tells us that. And animal sacrifices were a type of the coming Christ who would shed his blood once and for all for you and me. Amen. So it is important. Animal sacrifice is important because it foreshadows the coming Christ, the one who would shed his blood for us once and for all. Amen. However, comma, I don't believe in this particular case that an animal sacrifice was the issue. Because we find out later in the scriptures that God asked us to bring him the first fruits of all our increase. It says that in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, New King James Version. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now this is talking about grain and wine offerings. So if that's somehow evil... Somebody forgot to tell the Holy Ghost, and it ended up in the Bible. Yeah, Brother Scott, but I thought the ground was cursed because of Adam's sin. So the fruit of the ground was cursed. Well, by that logic, the lamb was birthed by a sheep that ate the grass that was growing out of the ground, and that was cursed, so the lamb must have been cursed as well, by that logic. Yes, the ground was cursed, but the offerings, the type of offering was not the issue. It was a matter of the heart. I believe Abel's offering came with a generous and thankful heart by faith. He offered up that lamb to the Lord, but I believe in Cain's case, he brought it grudgingly and out of obligation and not by faith. Therefore, Abel's sacrifice was accepted by the Lord and Cain's was not. And it is borne out in Scripture. I do have some Scripture to back that up. Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Amen. So when it comes to giving, and this is what I really want to home in on today, it really is all about the heart. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you gave me your checkbook and allowed me to look through it and see the things that you spend your money on, I could find out real quick where your heart is. Amen? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Are you generous in spirit? Are you thankful by nature? Do you give by faith and not by obligation? Is your tithe check listed along with all your other obligations like a bill? If it is, it's, it's not the right heart attitude. You should prepare your giving ahead of time by faith with a generous and a thankful heart. It's not just another bill that you pay when your check comes in. Amen? It really is a, an offering that is given to bless others first and foremost. And that's the issue with God. Everybody see that? Hallelujah. I'm getting ready to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1 through 15. Very lengthy passage of scripture. You know what? This is church and we can read the Bible in church. And like I said many times before, just consider it to be story time with Dr. Scott. 
And it is in the Amplified Classic Version, which is very amplified and very wordy, but every word has meaning. You know, the thing I like about the Amplified Version is it actually brings out the nuances and some of the hidden meanings in some of the original languages. Amen. So it's very worthwhile every once in a while to check out the Amplified Version. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 15 in the Amplified Classic. Now about the offering, let me start right there. So right off the bat, we know he's talking about money. So about the offering. So keep that in mind as we read through here. And listen, I know there's a danger, me being the pastor of this church, preaching on giving, preaching on prosperity, and it can seem self-serving. But I promise you, my heart is that people will have a heart for God and extend that heart into their giving. Even if this church doesn't receive a dime of your money, you are welcome here. We're not going to extort money out of you. We're not going to browbeat you into giving. It is a matter of the heart. And I trust that everybody knows my heart when I talk about giving. Amen. Amen. Now about the offering that is to be made for the saints, God's people in Jerusalem, it is quite superfluous that I should write you. For I am well acquainted with your willingness, your readiness, and your eagerness to promote it. And I have proudly told about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia, most of Greece, has been prepared since last year for this contribution. And consequently, your enthusiasm has stimulated the majority of them. Still, I am sending the brethren on to you, lest our pride in you should be made an empty boast in this particular case, and so that you may be already, as I told them you would be. Lest if any Macedonians should come with me and find you unprepared for this generosity, we to say nothing of yourselves be humiliated for our being so confident. That is why I thought it necessary to urge these brethren to go to you before I do and make arrangements in advance for this bountiful promised gift of yours so that it may be ready, not as an extortion wrung out of you, but as a generous and willing gift. Amen. Hallelujah. Here, evidently, a huge offering is being prepared. In fact, Paul and his company are going through all of Asia Minor, primarily through the Greek cities where churches had been established, and he's preparing a huge offering to be delivered to the saints, to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. Amen. So it's a huge undertaking. And he's writing ahead and he's saying, listen, I want you to be ready. I want you to prepare your heart and I want you to have a generous and willing heart when it comes time to make your contribution. Amen. All right. It's not like an extortion, not like some mobster is getting protection money out of you. Listen, God will take care of you as long as you give me some of the take. God is not an extorter. He is after your heart. Amen. And he's after you being blessed and he's after other people being blessed. And as we're going to get to, and I'm afraid I'm getting a little ahead of myself. You know, the primary motive in your giving should be that others might be blessed, not so that you can get something. Even though it is biblical to say Luke 638, give and it shall be given unto you. That is biblical and you can attach your faith to that. But your motive should be primarily to bless others. Amen. Do you see that? 
You can bless others as your primary motive and still have faith that God will give back to you. But it's secondary to the fact that others are blessed instead of you. Amen. So we find the same principle that we found in the very beginning. Giving is a matter of the heart. Do you give grudgingly out of obligation or do you give generously and willingly? Amen. All right, let's continue reading. Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Amen to that. Here again, as we talked about last week, the primary motive of your giving, and I've said it already, is that others might be blessed. Amen. Verse 7. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Again, I say, God is all about the heart and the heart that's attached to the giving. Amen. If you give to this church grudgingly, I'd rather you not give your money. Go pay a bill. Go do something else with it. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 8, and this is awesome. Everybody in this place should memorize this and make it your own because this is God's heart towards you if you're a cheerful, if you're a generous, if you're a willing giver. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Amen. That's a mouthful, but that is awesome. This is God's heart for you. This is the very definition of prosperity. God wants you to have enough to meet all your obligations and yet still give liberally to the work of the Lord. Amen. That's his desire for you. He doesn't want to take from you and make you needy. He wants you to give willingly and generously so that in the end you'll have plenty to meet all your needs and continue to give liberally to the work of the Lord. Amen. Does everybody get that? God's not after your money. He's after your heart. Let's continue reading. As it is written, he, the benevolent or generous person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Jesus said, if you give somebody a cup of water in my name, you will in no wise lose your reward. If you give somebody that's thirsty a cup of water, Jesus said, there's a reward waiting for you. Can you imagine if you continue to give liberally to the cause of the gospel? What reward awaits you? Listen, there will be rewards in this life and in the life to come. Amen. Glory to God. He's after your heart. And he wants you to prosper. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 10. And God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Amen. Hallelujah. I love this verse. Notice that God gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Amen. And both of them work together to multiply your resources for sowing and increasing the fruits of your righteousness. Amen. So there's seed and there's bread. Amen. It's a bit of a mystery, but when you sow natural resources into the kingdom, they take on a spiritual uh, quality when you release them to the work of the Lord. I can't say I completely understand it, but you take your natural resources, you sow them into the kingdom, and they take on a spiritual quality. Sometimes he gives seed, and sometimes he just meets the need. Amen? In either case, it is a supernatural thing, and you need to realize that. For example, if you have a need that you can't meet, you just don't have it in your budget to pay this particular bill. It's just a little bit more than you're able to handle. And all of a sudden, you get a check in the mail or some unexpected money. And that unexpected money is not quite enough to meet that need. That's your first clue that it's probably seed. God wants you to realize if it doesn't meet the need, Treat it as seed and sow it into someone else's life who has a need. Amen. Amen. Chances are there's somebody out there that that amount will meet their need. And if you do, you can believe God for a harvest off that seed so that your need will be met. So that's the way I look at it. If I get some unexpected money, the first thing I ask the Lord is this meant to meet a need or is this meant for me to sow a seed? And I do whatever he tells me. Amen. I remember one time in particular, this is a story that I've told many times here at the church. But the keyboard before we just replaced that keyboard with a nicer one was a keyboard that uh, Trish and I took uh, out to the prison with us when we were in prison ministry in northern Louisiana for 14 years. And basically, after we just got started in prison ministry, we were going up there every Thursday night of the week, and we did it month after month after month, year after year after year. And we got up there, and we had a worship service before we taught the, the men, and uh, they had this old rinky-dink Casio. It was like a kid's Casio keyboard, and it sounded awful. And it just grated on my nerves that we had to go up to the prison and use this Casio in our praise and worship. Now, you got to know, Trish and I were a two-man team. We did praise and worship, and we did the preaching, too. We were, you know, like uh, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins, you know, the one-man band. You know, we did it all, you know. Anyway, I got frustrated one time, and I was driving back from the prison. And this particular night, Trish wasn't able to come with me, so some, uh, some of the one of the other prisoners was up there banging on that Casio, and it just, it just, I just said, you know what? That's it. I've reached my limit. So I'm driving back. It was about a 25-minute drive back to Shreveport. And I just 
threw up my hands in the car and I said, Lord, I'm tired of that old Casio. It sounds like, you know, starts with C and ends with a P. <laughs> I want a new keyboard, one that we can take up there, one that's portable, one that will produce some sound that's worth listening to. I want to bless the prisoners with some awesome praise and worship. I got about $1,500 in the bank towards a new keyboard. I need a 1000 more to get the one that we want. Now, you're just going to have to take care of it. I said it just like that, you know, disrespectfully to the Lord. I drove back to Shreveport. I walked into the door of the house, and immediately the phone rang. I picked up the phone, and I said, yes. This is Kroger headquarters in Houston, Texas. I am Mr. Smith, and I'm calling to let you know that your little card swiper deal, you know, your discount tab, whatever you call it, that's on your key ring where you get your Kroger discount, your number was selected out of thousands in northern Louisiana, and we have a check for $1,000 we're going to mail you. I, I am not embellishing this this actually happened and so I said for real are you sure you're not going to send me a thousand dollars worth of groceries or a thousand dollars worth of peppers because all my kids are out of diapers now you know <laughs> I said that no sir no sir we're, we're just doing this we're just trying to bless people we're going to send you a check for a thousand dollars so I got that check in the mail and guess what that check was it wasn't seed it was just exactly what I needed to meet that need. I added it to the 1500 that we had. Trisha and I went down to the music store, and we bought a Yamaha S80, which at the time was top of the line. And we took that up to the prison for years and years and years. And like I said, right up until just a week ago, it was still our main keyboard. So it has special significance for us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So sometimes God will send you a seed. And sometimes he will just meet your need. Amen. Hallelujah. Whoo, glory to God. I don't know about y'all, but that cheered me up just remembering all that. You know, sometimes the, the prayers that you offer up like that seemingly uh, disrespectfully, God's like, I, I got your back. I understand your frustration. We'll take care of it. You know, I thought, Lord, should I pray like this more often? He said, easy. You get one of those every once in a while. <laughs> Verse 11. Thus you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity as it is administered by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. For the service that the ministering of this fund renders does not only fully supply what is lacking to the saints, God's people, but it also overflows in many cries of thanksgiving to God. Amen. I love this. A generous offering given for a good cause will bring forth thanksgiving to God. Somebody somewhere will be thanking the Lord for the lives that are changed and the needs that are met because of your generous giving. Amen. I'd like to share something that's near and dear to my heart 
it concerns evangelists Mark and Victoria Bowling, who were here the first week in November. Amen. This is very germane to what we're talking about. Amen. When they came, by the way, those of you that are not familiar with their ministry, they go to Pakistan and India and nations like that, and they preach the gospel in open-air crusades uh, where, you know, hundreds of thousands of people come, you know. And I'm just blessed that they've been our friends for the last three years. We know them personally. And I want you to know that we wanted to bless them when they left us because they blessed us. How many remember Mark and Victoria? Was that a blessing or what? We wanted to bless them with a bigger offering than we were able to give. So I just said, Lord, this is the amount I want to give, and I'm going to give it even if I have to take from the general fund. Even if it doesn't come in, I'm going to augment it with general fund money. We're going to give them this much money because they are out there tip of the spear. You know, they're out there taking the gospel to predominantly lately Muslim nations. I'll have more to say about it before I close. But so I had this figure in mind and it was a pretty it was pretty much double what we normally give guest speakers. You know, and so this is how much I want to give, Lord. And I just basically, you know, asked the people. I said, come, let's give to Mark and Victoria. You've seen what they're doing. You've seen the fruit of their ministry. And did you know enough came in on that offering that we were able to give triple what I wanted to give them? Triple. So I want to thank you, those of you that are members of this congregation, for being those kind of people that give generously and willingly. I tell you what, you know, talking about thanksgiving will come forth because of your generous giving. I was shouting to the Lord, glory to God. Amen. And guess what? When they got the check, they were saying the same thing. Because they were getting ready to go back to Pakistan. And they were short several thousand dollars. And that seed was uh, enough to meet part of their need. Amen. So praise God. We know by experience what it means to give thanks when people give generously to the cause of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 13. Because at your standing of the test of this ministry... They will glorify God for your loyalty and obedience to the gospel of Christ, which you confess, as well as for your generous hearted liberality to them and to all the other needy ones. Amen. And they yearn for you while they pray for you because of the surpassing measure of God's grace, his favor and mercy and spiritual blessing, which is shown forth in you. Now, thanks be to God for his gift, precious beyond telling his indescribable, inexpressible, free gift. Amen. Hallelujah. When you give by faith out of a generous heart, you will draw attention to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the indescribable, inexpressible, free gift of God. Amen. Which is Jesus our Lord. You know, a lot of people said to me, well, not a lot of people, but one or two of my closest advisors said, are you sure you want to preach on prosperity at Christmas time? I'm like, you know what? I can't think of a better time to preach on prosperity when we have this indescribable, inexpressible free gift of Jesus Christ that was given to all mankind, and we're celebrating that gift. Amen. God didn't hold anything back. He gave his best. 
So we should be inspired to do the same thing. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want to thank you, Mary, for giving me this scripture. It ended up being the perfect capstone for what I wanted to say today. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Listen to this. This is awesome. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Amen. Hallelujah. Now listen to my logic here as I wrap this up. If we are destined to partake of the glorious prosperity that is to come when Jesus sits on his throne in Jerusalem during the millennial reign and beyond, if we are to participate in that, doesn't it make sense that God would want us to access some of this vast prosperity in the here and now where there's a gospel to be preached and a world to be saved? Whether you realize it or not, it takes money. It takes a lot of money to spread the gospel all over the world. I was talking about Mark and Victoria earlier. Four crusades they've done in Pakistan this year. Four crusades. And thus far, not all the numbers have come in yet, but thus far, 250,000 people have come to Jesus in those crusades. 90% of them Muslims. And I know because I know Mark and Victoria that it took hundreds of thousands of dollars to put on those crusades. I mean, they had one crusade in which 140,000 people showed up. They paid for hundreds of buses all over the provinces to bring these people in and made sure there was a spirit-filled pastor on every single bus so that when they came back to the bus, they got actual verifiable numbers of those that gave their life to Jesus, those that had their bodies healed, blind eyes that were open, mutes that spoke, and lame that walked. But it took money to put on those crusades. So don't be naive. God's not after your money. He's after your heart. Is your heart for the nations or not? A lot of the giving that comes in here goes right out the door. We support three overseas missionaries and we're getting ready to add a fourth. It is the biggest single part of our budget. And I'll confess to you there have been many times when I sit down to pay the church bills and it doesn't look like there's enough to cover everything. The rent, the heat, the electricity, and everything else. But I always sit down and I pay the missionaries first. And I say, Lord, I'm going to take care of our missionaries, and I just trust you that the rest will come in. And there's never been a month when a a bill for this church did not go unpaid. Not a single time. Because our heart is the nations and the people that are out there, tip of the spear, taking the gospel to the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
All of this brings us back to the point we made last week. The ultimate purpose of the prosperity of God is to establish his covenant in all the earth. Deuteronomy 8, 18. Amen. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Amen. Next week, we'll wrap up this series by talking about the tithe, what it means and what it doesn't mean. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part two of Dr. Forrest's message, The Prosperity of God. If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for Spirit-filled prayer. If you would like to learn more about us and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.